us just to be the church that can reach out and and help others because what good is it if we aren't trying to um, show God's love in a practical way? Next slide. There is a vision fund. We mentioned it last year or last week about what we want to do over the several past years. We've been able to raise over $100,000. Now we're starting to look at exploratory exploratory research to see like what it would take to build, to purchase, to renovate, and just be praying for us. If you hear of something, a piece of property, a building that sounds like it could work, let us, the LAC, know, and we can inquire about that to see what God would have uh, do for us. But a recap of last week begins with Acts 9, 17. And so Ananias went and found Saul he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled. And be filled. So this meant Ananias had a choice what he was going to do. God said to him, hey, Ananias, and he said, yes, Lord. And then God said, I want you to go to Saul. Yes, that's Saul who's been killing Christians, and he wants to take you as a Christian and take you back so he can kill you in front of everybody because he thinks what you're doing is wrong. So Ananias had a choice. Would he obey? He said, yes, but I'm going to obey, not in my strength, not in my desires, but I'm going to obey by saying, Saul, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which goes back to Acts way back when we begun in chapter one of Acts, you will receive power when the comes upon you and you will be my telling people about me. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what it's all predicated on. This is why it can be dangerous to read the verse of the day and only the verse of the day. It can be harmful if you just seek out one passage of Scripture that says, where can I find hope? This is when we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you understand the word, the context filled, it means overflowing. It means continually filled. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you try to lead your family, if you try to uh, give people Jesus, and all you do is you pour out, you pour out, you pour out, you pour out, and then you get home, what are you left with? You're left with an empty cup and you're just like, oh, but I I was so good with my co-workers. I was so good uh, telling people about Jesus. I was so good. And then who knows you most, your family? And then they see, oh, you're a little bit hypocritical because you were so good with them, but you have zero patience with me. You are so good with them, but you just want to battle. You just want your way. You are so good all day. That's why we need to overflow. It needs to spill out. It needs to be full. So it just naturally comes out of us. When you are shook, if you have a glass of water and you shake it, usually what's in it spills out. But if there's nothing in it, there's nothing to spill out except itself. It's glass and it doesn't spill out. When we are not filled with Jesus overflowing, when we are shaken, we are looking to the song Scars of Heaven and focused on seeing Jesus holding our loved one, but we are focused on us. Ah, I'm just in such pain and agony. We need to overflow with Jesus so we are filled with him. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. He regained his sight. 
Saul could see again, but differently. Whenever we go through something, you see differently because of that experience. He writes, this is uh, James, the brother of Jesus, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Stop. Go back. Perseverance. We don't want perseverance. We want victory. We want, hey, if I do this hard thing, I get my reward. If I put in this uh, time, then I get my paycheck. I don't want to, well, you worked really hard today and it is awesome. You produced a lot. Tomorrow, you get to do the same thing. What? It develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes we don't want to be mature and complete. We just want the reward. We want to do our thing, get the reward and be done. And Jesus is saying, no, there's more I want you to go through. There's more that I need to teach you. There's more that you need to endure. That is why there are some things that only maturity can teach and maturity takes time. There are some things that only maturity can teach and maturity takes time. If Jay wanted to write a book or who, who, who wants to be the teacher, Caroline? If Caroline wants to write a book one day because she wants to be a teacher who writes books and people read her books and say, oh, Caroline, she was a really good basketball player and she wants to write. But Caroline can't write a book like she's 80 years old when she's 19, when she's 19 years old. But sometimes we have these aspirations of, I want to do this. Well, you have to live life. You have to mature. Maturity takes time before we can give what the world needs to hear after we've lived with who Jesus is. Change plus pain equals growth. This is a book, and I stole it. I would give credit, but I don't know who it was. And it wasn't me. I'll just say that. But sometimes we want to grow. Well, that means you need to change. And what are uh, growing pains called? Growing pains because it hurts. It hurts. But if you want to grow, if you want to mature, you need to accept the change that God's bringing, saying that you are a new creation, but it's going to take pain and dying to yourself. Afterward, he ate some food. This is Saul. He regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. I love this. Read the Bible with all five senses. Read the Bible like you are in the story. Read the Bible like it means something. Saul, go back one slide. Saul ate some food and regained his strength. This, I love it in the Bible whenever they say to eat. This is why Kiana, I mean, I like you for multiple reasons, but Kiana is so cool because Kiana is not, and I don't know if these other girls are, but if Kiana's hungry, she'll eat. If Kiana wants to enjoy poutine or donuts or whatever we're getting, it's not like, oh, I'm only going to eat half when you're watching. And then when I go back to the house and nobody's watching, I'm going to eat two donuts. It's like, no, you eat now. But it's fun to be with people that enjoy just being together. And this is a reality that he was famous. He went days without eating. He was suffering. He couldn't see. But the Bible is so practical. Eat, nourish yourself, get some energy. One of the most spiritual things you'll ever do is take a nap. Now, I might take, too many naps, or maybe I'm extra spiritual. But 
Sometimes we need to feed our physical body, whether it's food, sleep, nutrition. Hit that slide. So Saul regained his sight. He regained his strength. And then he understood his self-identity, his community. It was where he spent time with the disciples. I think it's this next slide. This is from the Filament Bible app. Filament Bible app. What app are we uh, promoting? What Bible are we saying use to enhance your Bible study? Not just a verse of the day, but look at the context, the culture, the why it was written. Ananias, his God-given role was to welcome Saul into the Christian family. Well, that's kind of boring. Like I, if I was in, you are telling somebody that didn't follow Jesus that there is hope for you. There is a place to belong beginning with the laying hands on Saul to heal him and fill him with the Holy Spirit. The family of God, the body of Christ. This is what you get to be welcomed into. This is what you are a part of. This is the invitation for others to know that it does not matter your past, your upbringing, your education. It does not matter what people find out about you. All that matters is Jesus has forgiven you. Yes, you're going to have to walk through some of the consequences of your action because sin is sin. Consequences for that sin are different. But God wants us to be together to nurture and spur one another on and help each other in those ways. You want to be a part of something. You want to belong. Then you begin to believe or believe more than you be or become. So this is a place where you belong and then you start to hear the voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and you start to believe that God's word is true because you have seen it in other people. You start to walk it out in your own life and you can't help but live any other way except following Jesus that says he is the way, the truth, and the life. He gives you hope when you are devastated, when you have a family member that passes away, when you go through such tragedy, when you have no other hope, you have Jesus. And then you're like, ah, oh, God, I just want to dare to believe. And then and as you experience him, you become who he already said you are. You are a royal priesthood. You are chosen. You are the one that he wants on your team. And not because, I love this illustration, and you guys are probably tired of it, but it's not because, hey, it's not God saying, hey, I want to win, so who do I need on my team so I can have a stack team so I can win? Who am I looking for to make my team better? No, he's like, I'm going to win, and without me, you're not going to win. Caroline, I'm sorry. You're just, Haley, you're, like, you have a chance. Haley, you're, but, but it's not like God needs us to make his team better. God's choosing us because without him, we're nothing. We're lost. We're broken. You're full of anxiety and depression. You're just full of fear. You just don't dare to take that next step. You want to believe, but something's holding you back because you have not given your life to who Jesus is. And we become who he says we already are, we start to believe it and we begin to live in it. And immediately Saul began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. This is the key word is indeed. He is indeed the son of God. He is indeed. In, it's indeed, yes. Now he's the son of God. No, he indeed is the son of God. Why is he putting special emphasis on this? Because it goes against what he said before. 
Preach always when necessary. Use words. You might say, 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 heard, say, Francis of Assisi said it. He never said it. Sorry to burst your bubble. You could take that plaque down and just scratch out St. Francis of Assisi because it is a great saying, but St. Francis of Assisi never said it. I don't want to digress too long, but preach always when necessary. Use words. It is a valuable statement. But the Greek for this word preaching, the Greek for this word that says to preach, it means to proclaim and tell. He was actually verbally proclaiming and telling people that indeed Jesus is the Son of God. Sometimes, many times, God opens doors, opportunities for us to tell where our hope is. And sometimes we don't know where it came from. I just heard a story of someone, and I love this person very much, and they said, I don't know where it came out, but I was talking to my non-Christian friend, and I was talking to my non-Christian friend, and I never said it before, but after the end of the conversation with my non-Christian friend, I said, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. And I don't know where it came from, but it just seems like I've been going to the church. They talk a lot about prayer. I've been praying myself, and it just came out of me. And this friend that I was uh, worried about, I never wanted to offend because they weren't a Christian. I didn't want to say I was praying or bring God into it. They said, thank you. They didn't say, oh, keep your prayers to yourself, which I've had people do. It's like, can I pray for you? It's like, nope. It's like, Okay, I guess. Well, I, I'll pray for you. I just won't tell you that. But it was where there's just something that came out because we had to share it. We had to declare, like, I love you as a friend. And because I love you, this love of God just overflows and spills out. I can't help but not pray for you, not encourage you to know that Jesus loves us so much. And immediately he began preaching, telling he's indeed the Son of God. This is Philippians written by Paul, who first was called. So this guy, Saul, becomes Paul, and this is what he wrote. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is Saul, who is known as being one of the top leaders, one of the most educated, one of the, if you were trying to pick, Okay, if you didn't believe in God that he was the all-knowing, you're like, I need the first pick so I can have the stack team. I need the first pick so I can win. I need the, the best musician. I need the greatest entrepreneur. I need the one that knows things. You would pick Saul. In his day, he was seen as that person that had, uh, was full of knowledge. He had character. He had power. People would look at him. And Paul would say, no, it's all garbage. Everything that I aspired to, everything that I wanted, all my American dream of success, it's garbage without Jesus. All who heard him were amazed. This is going back to Acts. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And didn't he come here to arrest them and to take them in chains to the leading priests? Wait, I see this guy preaching. I know his past. Is he like a double agent? Is he like going in covertly or overtly or his whatever it is? Is he trying to be like this secret guy that gets us to trust him? Then he has us trapped. 
I don't know if you do it, probably not, because you're more spiritual than pastors, because pastors try to look spiritual, and sometimes we look, uh, care too much how we look instead of the character integrity of our own souls, so you can pray for that, but sometimes we care too much about how we look instead of the character of our own souls. Start with the character of your own souls, because when you start to look uh, or think about how you look, then there's a, a breaking down, a fragmentation of that core. And so when somebody becomes a Christian and someone volunteers, if someone wants to get involved, they're like, oh, God bless you. But man, don't they understand their past? Don't they understand? Like, I don't know if they can be trusted. Don't they understand? And instead of looking at people, how we've seen or known their past, can't we see them through the eyes of Jesus with new eyes and say, God has forgiven you. You are a new creation. That past is forgiven and you have learned from it you've grown from it and together as a body of christ we can grow up we can build up we can bear one another's burdens we can say you are welcome to share your testimony you are welcome to lead you're welcome to go out and be used of god knowing that your past is forgiven and we have great integrity because god's changed us and it's not how we look but it's how we or where we serve from who jesus is and what he's done. First Corinthians, also written by Paul, Saul, who had his name changed, that wrote Romans, and well, he wrote like the majority of the New Testament. This guy that uh, it, well, I'd be like, ah, I'm glad that God changed you, but I don't know if I really want to follow you. This guy, he wrote, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So if you're like, hey, what are you talking about? You just wanted to kill Jesus' followers. You just wanted to be against this Jesus. You didn't think he was the Messiah. Now you say he is. It's foolishness. You will come in contact with people that think, I cannot believe you're a Christian. I cannot believe you think the Bible is right. It is ridiculous. There's a phrase about throwing your pearls before swine. Don't give the best things to pigs because they don't care about it. And unless God called you into that mission field, into that place, it's okay to say, I presented everything, Jesus, you wanted me to. But you must have someone else for me to share my life with. And especially when it's a family member, when it's a coworker, when it's a teammate, when it's somebody you grew up with, it is hard, but allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life to bring that to the, them to the point where it's not foolishness any longer. And immediately he began preaching, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Verse 21, all who heard him were amazed and asked, isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus? Have you had that said about you? Wait, you say you follow God, but aren't you the one that used to party so much? Aren't you the one that, but didn't you, but, and then we're like, well, yeah, I did, and I was, and you can go two ways. You can say, but God's forgiven me, and I've changed, or you can say, you're right, I probably should hide my faith. I probably shouldn't be so loud. I, I need to be a little bit more humble about it. And so, yeah, I'll just read my Bible and I'll just grow, but I won't tell anybody because you know my past. Or you can say, hey, 
that's who I was, but you got to see me now because I'm following this Jesus guy and he's changed my life and he's given me hope. But there's no longer that same level of depression. There's no longer that same level of anxiety. All I know is that when I face a hard cir circumstance, when there's a difficult situation, I'm just going after Jesus. And mission, that his education, his conclusions weren't enough. This is Saul telling them, hey, how I was raised, having the best professors, having the most knowledge, that wasn't enough. He was also saying, yeah, you leaders are incorrect. And at times, do it respectfully, show honor because we want to win a brother or sister for the Lord. Don't say, you are evil and you are wrong. Say, hey, I, I was raised similarly and I had the same education and we believe the same, but man, what Jesus has done, what just happened to me, my experience, it just proves that everything I thought was the right way, that American dream, that right step, that doing the most, that successful living, that keeping up with the Joneses, that's not it. That's not it. So Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute the proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So this is awesome. This is where we clap. This is where we say amen. This is where we say he has a following. Verse 23, after a while, some of the Jews plotted to kill him. Wait, what? They plotted to kill him? But you just said you can't refute that Jesus indeed the Son of God. Oh, it's much like Jesus. You couldn't say Jesus was in error. A uh, couple of, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you because you are my followers. Verse 12. Be happy about it. Be happy about it. Wait, don't they? It's not fair. Like, I'm trying to do the right thing. They hurt my feelings. They posted on social media. They told my friend. They said something to my boss. They told my neighbor, like, they shouldn't help me because. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted the same way. We need to put our lives into God's story, not just look at our story. Experiencing God Wednesday night, Zoom, or in person, 7 o'clock. We start with God's story that started at the beginning of time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't just insert our story, but if it happened to the ancient prophets, it can happen to us. It will happen to us. And we you align ourselves with God's story throughout. Conviction leads to conversion, which leads to confrontation. Saul needed to confront those people. Conviction leads to conversion, which will lead to confrontation. Are you willing to speak the truth in love? In Ephesians, also written by Paul, I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as, God, as God's ambassador, so I pray that I will keep on speaking. So I keep on speaking for him as I should. I like how the NIV says, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, pray that I may declare it as I should. Boldly, fearlessly, boldly, fearlessly, boldly, fearlessly, boldly, fearlessly, boldly, fearlessly. Keep reading in Acts. This is kind of funny. And after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot Boldly, fearlessly, boldly, fearlessly, boldly, fearlessly. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. He escaped. Declare it boldly, fearlessly. 
but Jesus provided a way out of the plot to kill him because God had a plan for his life greater than that moment. Sometimes we want to be a martyr in that moment because, ah, this is my moment. God's like, don't be a doofus. Like, you're aware of the plot. There's a way to escape. Maybe there's a way to escape because after you leave this place and you go to lunch or you go to family or you go to the grocery store, you go somewhere else, you can boldly and fearlessly declare the love of God to that person that's helping you, that's waiting on you, that you rub shoulders with. Maybe from there you go to another place and, hey, I haven't called my mom for a while or I haven't called so-and-so for a while. Then you can call them and boldly and fearlessly declare that God loves you and has done something in your life that you can share with them. Don't just think your moment is confined to right here where we're surrounded by other Christians. We sang songs that pierced our heart. We cried with each other. We've lifted up the name of Jesus. This is not just your moment. Your moment is, God, if you're telling me there's a way out for me to go, I'm going not to escape, but to share the truth. And I'm just going to conclude with Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying that, Oh, Daddy, oh, Daddy, I, I do not want to do this. Drops of blood. Most of us know that story. Oh, Daddy, please, please, with great agony, please. Some have said it was a panic attack that Jesus was experiencing. Oh, Daddy, no. If God the Father had given him a way out, Jesus would have taken it, and he would have been very wise to take it. So if God provides you a way out, take that way out. But if he says, no, this is what I'm calling you into, then obey him above all things. Obey him above all things. If you can hit. We're going to uh, just conclude with a song, and I love the lyrics of this song, but it's been a, it's been a good day, a special day. Missy, I thank you for sharing that. And not just um, Missy's brother, um, that's not with us, but most, if not all of us, can think of somebody that we cannot wait to see in heaven. And yes, we cannot wait to see them, but the reality that they chose Jesus and we want to see the one who's holding them. And then we get to see our loved ones. But it starts with knowing what Jesus has done and who he is and that he is for us.